Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. 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 Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. By the way, it works for me. Just get a hold of me. If you want more shows on a weekly basis, Every Thursday, we drop a member show to members to the website and the Confessionals app. You also get the Tuesday shows ad-free and the overtime segments when they're available. And that's all because you're a member. So if you want to become a member and get all that extra good, good, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. And friends, today is launch day. If you have not seen The Shape of Shadows, you can now watch it on demand at Merkel.media. All I got to do is go to Merkel.media, hit the stream now button, and you can start watching The Shape of Shadows on demand. I'm excited about it. You should be excited about it too, because this is by far the wildest experience consecutively from night to night to night that I have ever lived through. And you should go ahead and check it out. The Shape of Shadows available exclusively on Merkel.media on demand right now. Also, I am going live in a live show format in Gatlinburg, Tennessee on September 30th. We had to upgrade the venue because we sold out the previous venue. So now we have a bigger venue so we can sell more tickets. So if you are one of those people who did not get tickets and you wanted tickets, now you can get tickets. We are going live in Gatlinburg for a live show on September 30th. Get your tickets now. Link in the description of this episode. All right, friends, listen. Today is launch day of... The Shape of Shadows. So I figured I'd bring somebody in who is in studio here and he knows cameras. I don't know. <laughs> how you doing, Sean? <laughs> Tony, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks uh, for coming in. Uh, you moved from Wisconsin, you and your brother. That's correct. Moved from Wisconsin recently to Tennessee. Yeah, we live in Nashville now. Yeah. So like, how did, how did this, first of all, why did you move to Tennessee? 
Um, so I've, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been in Wisconsin for a long time. I originally moved there from Colorado after I got out of the um, military. I wanted to be closer to my family. So they were all in Wisconsin. I lived there for a bunch of years. And then um, my sister actually moved to Franklin, Tennessee. And she just had her first baby. Um, so I wanted to be closer to my my niece, the first one that was ever born into our family. So I wanted to be part of their lives. So we moved down here. We wanted to get a little change of pace. Wisconsin is super um, slow mm-hmm. and just wanted to see what other frontiers were out there. Yeah. And uh, we came here and um, yeah, the rest is history. That's cool. I mean, I, I actually, when I was thinking about moving to Tennessee, Franklin was on the list of places to move to. Yeah. I, um, I really like the idea of being in Franklin because of the, the amount of people there that are familiar with entertainment. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, that might be a good for business. But then I was like, well, the Smokies are calling me and yeah. Nashville's kind of dirty. So I was like... <laughs> in hindsight, I wish that we wouldn't have come to Nashville. Well, you can I, always move I, a little further east. I feel like it has tainted my opinion of Tennessee ever so slightly because it's just, it is dirty. It's chaotic. It's not the Nashville our parents knew. Yeah, and it's not the one that I had dreamed about. No, it's, but that, that, that Nashville's gone. I was pretty much <laughs> like, I feel like I experienced all the Nashville I need to experience within my first week of being here. Yeah. So I definitely like this side of the state more. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I love it out here. The Smokies are beautiful. I see them every day and that's... That's the way I like it. I'm never leaving. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right. So you're down here in Tennessee and I don't exactly remember. No, actually I do. The way we got connected for me at least was I was on my Instagram and I saw your Instagram follow us or mm-hmm. follow me. And I just saw it said 21st century. And I think that's all it said on the screen. And then it looked like an official account. And whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, let me see who this is to see if, you know, Mm-hmm. I don't know. The CEO of Warner Brothers is following me now. Right. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, you know, you never know. You never know. You never know. <laughs> and uh, I clicked, and I was like, oh, <laughs> come on, man! <laughs> it's just John. Yeah, <laughs> but um, no, I I, uh, I I saw your your page, and I clicked on some stuff, and I think one of the reels or something you put up was you and your brother, because I didn't know what you guys were about. Right. And I saw you and your brother sitting there talking in a studio setting about some experience in the woods. And I was like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. So, which is rare for me, but I actually took the next step to go find you on YouTube so I could listen to oh, the story. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, let me check this out. So I, I was listening and, I, and as I was listening, I think I hit you up on Instagram. I was like, yo. <laughs> so I up? was actually driving truck when that I'm a truck driver as well. But really? Okay. So I was driving truck and uh, my wife texted, called me and she was just like, you need to go look at your Instagram because right? she runs my account. So she was like, you need to go look at your Instagram right now. And I was like, oh, I'm in the truck right now. But I went and looked and I saw your message and I could just hear her and my brother in the background just screaming, Tony Mackle just hit <laughs> us up. And that, that's, yeah, it was a very, I wear that like a badge of honor. That's wild. So I'm glad you... Glad you dug so deep. <laughs> yeah, dug deep. No, it, it dude, uh, it was uh, it was a very interesting story, and we're going to get into that today to launch things off. Um, but uh, you and I were sitting here brainstorming, and uh, I, it's funny because 
I think it's the first time in a while that I had somebody that I had to explain to, no, you don't understand. I don't do show prep. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I like having conversation with people and I don't care where it goes. I just like having conversations with people. Right. And so like, I have a general of idea. And if you tell me too much, I tell you to stop because I don't want to hear before we start the, the yeah, show. Yeah. I mean, we were just chopping it up and you cut me off a couple of times. Yeah. So. I was like, no, nah, stop. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're going to, just to give people an idea of where we're going and it's going to be an adventure because uh, I don't even know exactly where we're going, but it's going to be fun. Um, we're going to ta- start off with this bizarre story you and your brother had experienced in the woods. And I think you even mentioned there's some other people involved as mm-hmm. well. Um, unfortunately, your brother couldn't make it today, but you're here to tell the story. Um, and also, we're going to be talking about portal in an abandoned building. And you said that this is a very long wild story and i'm just like yeah i'm down for that action uh and then we're we're also going to probably most likely do an overtime as well where we get into some kind of uh topical conversation that uh i know <laughs> i know you're a little hesitant to do because last time you talked about publicly you're like chastised <laughs> and i'm like wrangled in to talk some philosophy yes yeah. and I'm, I'm like come on man i'm just like suckering <laughs> you into another round of beatings <laughs> well it'll be nice to not to talk to somebody other than myself about it so there you go there you go um but yeah we, we were we were going to talk about a lot of different stuff maybe we can talk about the elves in uh, what was it, ireland iceland 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 yeah uh i, I hear it's nice this time of year so mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's start off with the uh, story in the woods. Now, did this story in the woods that kind of got you on my radar, did this happen in Wisconsin? Yes. So this actually happened on my parents' property in Wisconsin. Okay. And so my parents live uh, sort of central Wisconsin area um, in between Green Bay and Milwaukee in the country. And they live on this this river in a little town. And uh, they have a certain amount of wooded acreage. So my brother and I, at the time of this story, were living in Milwaukee and we were going to go up to see the parents and we were going to film this movie um, on their property. Do you, are we just getting into it? Do it, We're man. just going Just go. It. Okay. I love it. So well, I'm already in. You said, you, you said Green Bay and I'm already thinking, you know. I'm, I'm thinking about the Packers while you're talking about it. Right. No, I'm kidding. R.I.P. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. But no, we were we were out there um, in my free time. Um, I'm an amateur filmmaker, so we were filming a little sci-fi project that I'm still working on, um, and and won't plug. It's fine. But like, go ahead and plug it, bro. Well, it's about portals, coincidentally. So it's it's a project I'm working on called Crusader 15, and it's essentially this story of um, a portal traveler who ends up accidentally finding these portals. And every time he goes through one, the portal closes and he's trapped on the other side. Mm. But at the same time, he loses a little piece of himself every time a portal closes. So long story short, he ends up going through all of these portals trying to get back to where he originally started and he's losing himself along the way until there's basically nothing left of him. It's kind of a tragic tale, but it's something that I'm working on. And we, uh, we went to my parents' property to film basically the first chapter of it. Mm-hmm. My brother, AJ, was my main, my, my lead, my crusader. And um, I also had my other brother, Jonah, and our, our family friend, Andy, um, working with us, helping me out with the gear and my brother Jonah was also acting in it. So 
my parents' property, the way that it is, is it's, it's way out in the country, surrounded by cornfields, like most of Wisconsin, but they, their house is on top of a hill and the hill slopes down to the banks of the Fox river, which is a good sized river. Um, you can put a boat on it. Like it's, it's a decent sized river and they have river frontage and everything between the river and their house on this hill is, is forest. So this was going to be a great setting for the film that we were making. And, um, we were also going to see them and hang out and whatever. We hadn't seen them in a while since we were in Milwaukee. And we had completed a few days of recording, three or four days. And we, to fast forward a little bit through all the monotonous stuff, we got to the point where we were done and it was nighttime. Everybody in the house had gone to bed. So it was just me, AJ, Jonah, and Andy um, hanging out in the woods at night after we had cleaned up all the gear and everything. We were just chopping it up like we do, just some friends in the woods. And for part of this film, we had built this structure in the forest and we called it the tabernacle. Um, and it's, it's basically this gigantic teepee type structure. Um, and the walls are all logs and big sticks and it's dug into the side of the hill. So half of it is literally the hill and the rest are these sticks and logs and it's big enough that we could all fit in there and have a fire in there as well. And so we were hanging out and um, just talking. And because of the um, weather in Wisconsin, it's kind of brisk outside when we were doing this. And inside, it would get really hot because of the fire. So we would occasionally go out to cool off, get some air, the smoke, the way that the thing was built, the structure kind of held in some of the smoke. So, like mm -hmm. to get some air and stuff, we would go out occasionally. And there was this one instance where Andy and Jonah were sitting in the tabernacle and AJ and I stepped out to get some air. And, you know, we, all of us were, except Andy, but God bless him, but we were, we're all woods kids. We've all spent our whole lives growing up in the woods. We didn't have electronics growing up, so we were always, you know, my parents homeschooled us and we were always living sort of a um, back to the basics kind of lifestyle. So we grew up in the woods. We're comfortable in the woods at night. We camp a lot. And so we didn't have any flashlights. We weren't armed. We didn't have any sort of, we didn't think we needed that kind of stuff, right? And so we're stepping out and to get some air and we're just talking. And all of a sudden off in the distance, there's a sound. And it doesn't sound like much, just some, like some rustling leaves and a snap of a twig. And for anybody who's spent any time in the woods, that's not a big mystery. It's probably an animal. My parents have foxes that live on their property. There's a deer trail that walks right along the river in these woods. And there's constantly like raccoons and possums and coyotes and all sorts of stuff roaming around down there. So we're not really scared, mm -hmm. but, but we're kind of like, you know, what is that? That's a natural reaction. It's just like, did you hear that? And so AJ kind of, he, he looks over at me and he's like, did you hear that? And I was like, yeah, I, I heard it. And, and we, we kind of zone in on it and, you know, 
we we kind of sit down on our haunches to lower our um our frame and and kind of hide ourselves against the hill but the fire is behind us so the way that it is we are between whatever the thing that made the sound wherever that is and the fire so it can see us most likely but we try to make ourselves small and continue to listen and sure enough it starts up again and we tell the boys to you know be quiet and come out here and see if you can see this thing and they come, they kind of creep out and we all just hear this literal walking like a bipedal walk and we knew it was bipedal because of the way that it was like it was just it was very intentional footfalls it wasn't like the rustling of of like a deer walk when it kicks up leaves or anything like that there, it was very obvious that this thing was probably bipedal and so we just sat there and we all listened we waited maybe we would see it come into the firelight or something like that um it did sound far enough away that we might not see it in the firelight though so after we didn't really hear anything for a couple seconds uh i picked up a stick just off the forest floor and i threw it in that direction because it was very clear that whatever this thing was hadn't moved along it was right over there in this little area that we had kind of reasoned that this thing was in and so i threw a stick over there and nothing happened you know one of the other boys threw something over there again nothing happened and then aj gets out his his iphone and turns on the flashlight and we all know these flashlights aren't that great so like it's not gonna it, it's not piercing the darkness but it is kind of lighting up a little more than the fire and we just see now that we've had time to look back on it about 35 ish 40 feet away and we went back there the next day to kind of count it out so that's where i get that number from these eyes um illuminate near the forest floor and I say illuminate but it's probably the wrong word they they it's eye shine is what it is and these eyes instantly capture our attention because they're not like other animal eyes that you may have seen in the woods they're they're front facing which is uh symbolic of predators most predators have front facing eyes and so that's the first thing we noticed was that the eyes are they're facing forward but they were also they were large like they were bigger than our eyes i would say bigger than human eyes and your natural reaction for something like with eyes that big in wisconsin is going to be deer that's what it's going to be but the way that the eyes were positioned i.e front facing and they were about six inches apart like from where we were standing it looked like you could go up to this thing and you could put your hand in between the eyes and the eyes you wouldn't touch both of them like they, it was it was a large face that these eyes were in and it was so low to the ground that from an animal that size with front facing eyes the only thing that i could compare it to was if you were in the woods 
trying to sneak up on us or something and you were down in the prone like sort of like as low to the ground as you could get with your head sort your chin sort of resting on the ground looking up like this like looking up the hill at us and obviously that kind of triggered us a little bit because it looked like this thing was hiding like trying to hide like it didn't know that we had caught the eye shine yet so we freak out. We've got a couple tools um, in this shelter that we made. So we have a shovel and we have like a hammer, just basic things that we use for set building. And we're all kind of slowly arming ourselves because even though bears and wolves are uncommon in Wisconsin, especially that far south, you can find them in the North Woods once in a while, but not really that far south. We there are stories of these rogue animals that sort of like every now and then there's rumors of cougars and stuff that kind of come out and they're, they just, there's lone cougars that stalk the woods and kill deer and stuff. And so we, we were preparing for the instance that this was a large predator just in case. And we couldn't scare it away. We, at this point we are literally chucking stick after stick. We're all throwing stuff at this thing and the eyes aren't moving at all. Like we're not hitting it and the eyes aren't moving. They're staring straight at us. And then this thing, we, ca we can't see the thing itself, but the eyes rise. And it's like this thing stood up. And they get to about six and a half, seven feet off the ground. So like, we now know these things are, this thing is bigger than, any of us at a minimum. Yeah, it's not Bambi. No, it's not Bambi. And we had hoped that this could be something like a deer raising its head, but we kept going back to just the shape of the eyes and the position of the eyes, the distance apart, the crouch. It didn't make sense for this to be a deer. It was too big to be an animal that could potentially climb a tree like a raccoon or something. So we know that it it wasn't a raccoon that scurried up the tree and, and was now just looking over at us. It wasn't hidden behind the trees because we could see both eyes still just blatantly staring at us. For whatever reason, I decide that I'm going to get a little bit closer because even though I'm scared and we're all getting more and more scared as time goes by and we're throwing and yelling. Jonah's banging his shovel on uh, some logs, just trying to make as much noise as possible at this point. We want this thing to run off. We want any sort of reaction. It's extremely menacing that this thing is just standing there staring regardless of what we're doing to try to scare it off. And we, we're not scaring it off. So I go a little bit closer. I go to the bottom of this hill. So I'm now probably 10, 10, 15 feet away from the rest of the boys and from the shelter. And when you go down the hill, it slowly sort of levels out. It's flat for a ways before it slopes again down into the river. And I'm on this sort of the beginning of this flat area. And this creature would be on the other you know, probably about 20, 25 feet away from me at this point. And I can't see the eye shine from where I'm at. 
So the boys still can. They're kind of giving me the play-by-play, and I'm down here in this low area, and I've, I'm literally doing what I've been doing this entire time, and I'm just chucking sticks and rocks because I, just, I need something to happen. I need there to be some kind of movement um, to feel good about trying to get out of the woods because at this point now, that is the goal. Like, we have to get out of the woods. You know, like, it's it's two, three in the morning. We're down here in the forest. We've been down here for hours. We don't know how long this thing has been down here with us. And we don't know why we can't scare it away. But the goal obviously has to be to put the fire out and get out of the woods. It's time to go home. And in order for that to happen, we need to see some movement out of this thing, right? I'm not just going to turn my back and let this thing have my back. Yeah. So like I'm, I throw some sticks, nothing's happening. And AJ at the top of the, the hill, he's just like, he's telling me that the sticks are landing near the eyes and Jonah, all of a sudden he goes, he goes, dude, it's staring right at you. And that triggered me in a way where I did my flight activated and I, I, I just ran back to the boys and, and, uh, AJ said that as I was, I was, as I was running back, the eyes did lower slightly as if it was like going into a sort of crouch, like almost like running stance. Exactly. Like you trigger Mm -hmm. a chase mechanism. He said that there was some sort of movement in the eyes that indicated it was getting ready to pursue. Um, or at least something unexpected had happened and it was going to brace for whatever that was. But I, I'm with you. I think it was more like a running stance chase mechanism that may have been subtly activated in this thing. And at the same time, I didn't hear this, but Jonah, Andy's freaking out. Uh, again, God bless the kid, but he's, he, He's, he's getting ready to hide out. He, he goes back in the shelter, which is pretty sturdy. I mean, we, we had some faith in it, but he goes back in. Um, Jonah and him are, are starting to try to put the fire out because even in this situation, we're not going to leave a fire just going in the woods. So like they're trying to put the fire out because we're going to get out of here now. And um, AJ says that he, when, while I was running back, he heard a sound come from the thing and he said it was sort of a cross between a hiss and like a low rumbling growl Mm -hmm. and i didn't hear it granted i was running through the underbrush so i didn't hear that but he said that the sound was it, it was menacing enough that that he felt like we were in danger at that point at at that point if we didn't already feel like this was a hazard to us this this now was dangerous this does seem to be some kind of predator it does have a sort of hiss growl sound to it it's big front facing eyes and it's fully aware of what we're doing and appears to know what we're trying to do too which is scare it off and it's just not scared so as i'm running back to the boys um, I'm going to help them put the fire out and get our last things because we still have a couple um, items down there, like camera gear and stuff. We're going to grab all this up. We decided that the best thing to do at this point 
is to not really split up, but we're going to scatter across the hill and all go up on our own. Why? So the reason that we decided this was the best idea is, first of all, we were horrified, but we felt like this thing was more... We felt like if we weren't in a group, it would be harder to get us. I don't know what our logic was. All at the same time, sure. Right. So (laughs) the way this hill is, this thing, this structure that we built is kind of built into this hill. And the hill is, it's not quite, it's not, it's maybe a 45 degree angle hill. Mm. So like this is, you're pawing the earth when you're climbing up this hill. It's loose dirt. It's decaying leaves. It's logs. It's thorns. It's brush. And we don't go far apart from each other, but we, we're probably, there's 10, 15 feet in between each of us. And we're, we're each kind of going up directly behind through the undergrowth in these kind of random directions just to get to the top of the hill. Because at the top of the hill is an open field and there's no forest whatsoever at the top of the hill. It just opens up into this field. And then we would run along the tree line um, to get to my parents' house. So we took the, we each took our own sort of shortest route up this hill. We get to the, the field and this, this is all triggered by the fact that as I was running up towards AJ to get all his gear, his, he took his phone away from, like he stopped shining the light accidentally to sort of like reach out to help me get up the hill. And when he did that, he took the light off the eyes. When he scanned back, there were no more eyes. Mm. But we didn't hear anything flee. We didn't hear anything running, moving, and of any type. But we just, when he scanned back to try to find the, the eyes again after helping me up this hill, they weren't there. And it's very like horror movie, right? Like, it, yeah. like it's, it's, just, it's just, now we don't know where this thing is. But we heard it approach. So logic tells me that we would hear it leave or do anything and we didn't. So that's what triggered our, 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 uh, retreat up the hill and back into the parents' house. And that's sort of the, the end of the actual experience. But the story doesn't end there. It, it gets weirder. Um, so the next day, it's late at night, obviously. Everybody's sleeping. I have a little brother who lives with my parents still. His name's Benjamin. And um he's really he's he's afraid of the dark and stuff like that. You know, like he's he's still scared of spiders and stuff like that. And um he's very easily frightened even just by stories. Like you can't really talk about stuff. We have to be careful what movies he can watch and stuff like that because he'll get very scared and he won't be able to sleep. And then he'll be sleeping in my parents' room all the time, like classic little kid stuff. And since AJ and I had moved away and Jonah had also moved into an apartment of his own, living with Andy, Benjamin had been sleeping in his room by himself. And his room is in the basement. But the way that my parents' house is, is um, it's half underground. So it is a basement, but it's a walkout basement. And the basement walks out 
and literally straight into the woods. There's no backyard on this house. It's the, the back side of the house is all window and it faces the river and um, the forest. And so you walk out the back door and you are essentially in the woods. And Benjamin's room is down there. And he has this one window that looks sort of up and out of his room. That's important for a little bit later in the story. So the next morning comes and um, AJ and I are eating breakfast and my dad is, um, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up. The next morning comes and I usually rise a little bit earlier than the other guys. So I go back down there. You know, it's, it's a beautiful day. It's bright. It's sunny. I want to go back down there and I want to see if I can find any evidence of anything down there. I want to see if I can find tracks, um, leaves moved. I want to see the, all the sticks we threw. I want to see where they landed. I want to see anything at all that confirms what we witnessed that night or the night prior. I go down there and this is what really confirmed that it was something not natural, um, or at least natural in a way that we don't recognize as natural. And it was a stick structure. I took some pictures of it. I don't have them with me. I can send them to you so you have it. They're also on the YouTube. But they, there's two X's in the trees. And I had heard rumors that Bigfoot and other forest-dwelling creatures would make structures in the forest as sort of a territorial thing, but also just creating landmarks, um, sort of marking territory, maybe giving warnings. You might know more than I do on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know anything about them because I've, I'm not a researcher and I don't pretend to be one. But um, I, I would say that what you're describing is at least communication. Of some type. Of some type. Yeah. So there were these two X's and they were perfect and when your viewers if they go to your website or whatever and see the photos there's no way to deny that these were intentionally placed and they were two x's next to each other perfect 90 degree angles and they were right at the location of where we were throwing all the sticks so i knew this was the location that we saw the eyes and those stick structures it's important to mention they were not there the day before because and we know that because we had been filming there for days. And so right along that path where that clump of trees where we were, we had actually filmed a scene. And so I knew that those weren't there the day prior. How, how many X's did you find? Just two of them. What are the odds that what you threw landed like that? Impossible. They, these are huge sticks. Like they're... they're they're about like this thick. They're like as thick as a quarter or so. And they are um, like really long sticks, like, I don't know, eight feet in length. Mm. And you could reason, like when I try to logically talk about it, you mm -hmm. could reason that what must have happened is after we went back to the house, some branches from the treetops fell right at that location. And they landed in that perfect way. That, that's the only way that we could explain it. Another thing to kind of mention about the sticks is they were sort of, uh, they were standing. 
independently of anything else. So they were kind of standing in the earth and the the bran- there were branches on the bottom and that's mm-hmm. kind of what stabilized them. So like that's why I say there's no way we threw them yeah. because they were actually like they they were branches with other branches shooting off of them and stuff. So they were <laughs> it looked like tree fall, but the way that it was positioned seemed extremely intentional. So I took some pictures of that. Um, I was like, there's, there's no way that this is natural. But I keep an open mind. I am a firm believer that not everything is something. Some things... Get out. <laughs> <laughs> some things I have to just be just like, this might be nothing. Yeah. But this wasn't... I, I didn't believe this was that. So I, I took some photos and I went back to the house and fast forward now, me and AJ are sort of eating breakfast. We're waiting for the rest of the family to wake up. It's just my mom, my dad, and Benjamin in the house at this point. Jonah and Andy go to work or go home or whatever they're doing. And um, so it's just us five. And Benjamin's a real fun kid. He, he likes fantasy football and stuff like that. So he he comes out and he's he's kind of kidding around with us, talking about his fantasy team and all that. And um, we make a joke about, well, yeah, I guess it's a good thing you're not spending any time outside because we got chased by a Wendigo last night. It's just a joke. We're joking. We're making light of it. But in the back of our mind, you know, the Wendigo and the Skinwalker, these are very Wisconsin things. Mm. This that is that's where those things come from. And going up into into Canada and um neighboring Minnesota. So we're joking. But we're like, yeah, you know, you better be careful if you go outside because there's, there's, we got chased by a Wendigo last night. And my dad's in the other room and he's like, what are you talking about? And uh, Benjamin's like, wait, really? Like he believes us instantly. He's like, really? And we were like, yeah, so you better be careful, buddy. Like, don't go out there by yourself, you know, just. An old the kid brother. who's scared yeah, of right, spiders. Right, right. We're triggering him a little bit. <laughs> a little. <laughs> but then he he's he lights up and he he says, dude, I have been seeing something outside my window. And now AJ and I are kind of like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you know, like, what did you see? Because we haven't described this thing at all. So we were just kind of like, what did you see? And he said, well, it didn't look like anything it 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 was kind of just like a dark shadow and it would just it just walks across my window sometimes and his window's big so like it's kind of like if it was a cat or something like that like you'd be able to tell the size of whatever it is walking in front of you and it since it looks up it kind of like looks up into the sky so like you can get a glimpse of sort of the size of things if they walk by. And he's like, yeah, it's just like this big shadow that just sometimes walks in front of my window and it, it like goes down towards the woods. He's like, it's always coming from up here and it, it sort of goes down into the woods. And my dad then, he's like, yeah, you guys got to stop going in through the downstairs door. And we're like, well, what are you talking about? Like this downstairs door is the door that we would always go in and out of when we visited because my parents' room is upstairs and it's right next to the front door. 
and we don't like to wake them up when we're coming and going. They're early to bed, early to rise folks. And um, so my dad gets really serious and he's like, I'm serious. Like, I don't want you guys going in and out of that door anymore. And this is kind of alarming because this is the door that traditionally he has encouraged us to go in and out of. And it doesn't disturb anybody when we do. And now all of a sudden, he's just like, don't use that door ever. And I was kind of like, why? Like, what's going on? And he said, you know, the other night I went downstairs because I heard a sound and the door was wide open. <clears throat> and he, he's, he's like, he's like, it's not like, it's not like the door was cracked because I was like, what do you mean wide open? And he's like, I literally went down there and it was like back on its hinges, wide open in the middle of the night. I'm getting chills right now. Just, just telling this story. I got goosebumps, but like it's, it triggered my dad so badly. And my dad carries at home. Like that's the kind of guy my dad is, you know, if, if the toaster makes a sound, he's going to shoot that thing. Like he's, he's, he goes to the range all the time and it just drives my mom wild because he's, he's an ace. He can shoot anything. And, uh, he carries at home. And when my dad says something that seriously, I know it has deeply impacted him somehow. And he's, he's very, this is my home. This is my fortress kind of guy. And, uh, he's, he forbade us from using that door anymore. So he permanently locked it and uh, threw away the key, so to speak. And um, we just don't have that door anymore. And we're kind of joking around about it because we're just like, well, okay, dad, like, let's not, let's not jump to any, you know, radical length here to try to say like there's danger in the woods we don't actually know what it is we didn't see anything except eyes and he couldn't be moved my mom walks in the room and she she says what are you guys talking about and my mom is the most jesus loving um little five foot four Wisconsin woman you will ever meet. She has her own business teaching kids how to act. And um, she's, she's a, she's a, she loves Jesus. She loves kids. And she does not like these negative conversations. She, if she knew what I was talking to you about on this podcast right now, she, she, she's not going to tune in. I'll tell you that much. Sure. She doesn't like, even when my dad starts talking about, you know, the end times and stuff like that, um, cause obviously he's kind of the prepper type. So he's, those things are on his mind. She doesn't listen. She's just like, I'm not going to, I'm not listening to this kind of talk in a rare instance. She's like, what are you guys talking about? And so we tell her, yeah, we got chased by a Wendigo. The same story that we told my dad and Benjamin. And she's like, can I just, can I just tell you a story real quick of, of something that happened to me recently? And we were like, okay, like this is weird. Yes, please tell us the story. And she said, this morning I woke up and it was like seven or eight o'clock. I don't know. But uh, my friend Peggy emailed me or sent me a text. And uh, I'm paraphrasing, but the text said something like, 
Um, hey, friend, hope everything is well. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you regarding the situation in your backyard. So this, there's like, you could hear a pin drop in the room because now everybody in this room has had some kind of experience with whatever that thing was. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's on the same page. And it got taken very, very seriously to the point where everybody was sort of talking about it off and on. It's like nobody wanted to have a conversation altogether about what it could be. But throughout the day, randomly, each one of them would come up to me or AJ and just be like, so tell me a little bit more about it. Like, it was like they wanted to know more, but they didn't want to talk too much about it at once. Mm. And... My mom replied back to the text, and um, this is obviously before she's heard our story. And she replied back to the text, and um, she was just like, you know, what are you talking about? The situation in the backyard. And her friend, you know, replied, and her friend was just like, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I just... I got this message in my head that I need to tell you that I'm praying for you regarding the situation in your backyard. So that story meant nothing to my mom Mm -hmm. at the time that she got it and had that conversation with her friend Peggy. She didn't know that the rest of us had experienced something and were experiencing things, apparently in the case of Benjamin, in the backyard. She had no idea But now that we were up here telling all of our stories, all of the sudden she has something to say and that contributes to the story. So it's, it's, that's kind of the, the end of the story really, but it's, it's never been the same there since then. Like it's, it's kind of like, we'll still go into the woods and stuff and, you know, we're not scared of the woods, but we still joke about it. Like the whole family is just mm. kind of just like, okay, well, if you're going out to the woods, be careful from the wind to go. Like, watch out, you know, like have your wits about you. And it's it's not so much a, a serious, like be careful of wolves, but it it's a joke that is kind of taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So that that's my most recent experience with the unknown. That's wild. Let's talk about our sponsor today, which is Simply Safe. And Simply Safe is my number one pick for home security. I love them. You guys know I love them. I've used them for years. They've been sponsors for years, and they're just a great product. Outside of the best product for home security, which is you being at home, Simply Safe comes in a very comfortable number two. And right now it's the fall, and you guys are out doing sporting events, kids are back at school, everybody's running around, and that leaves your home vulnerable. And if you, the number one security system, isn't going to be at home, you better have Simply Safe at the house. With their 24-7 live guard protection, it's made possible by the new Smart Alarm wireless indoor camera available with a Fast Protect monitoring plan. The new Smart Alarm indoor camera is the only indoor security camera that can trigger the alarm and instantly deter intruders with a built-in siren. And for my conspiracy buffs like me, it also has a physical privacy shutter to provide protection when you need it and the privacy when you want it. If you want yourself 
a great home security system that is affordable and you can install yourself within 30 minutes in your home. Really, it doesn't take long at all. A dummy can do it because I did it. You got to go to simplysafe.com slash confessionals for a limited time. Get 20% off your new system when you sign up for fast protect monitoring. Visit simplysafe.com slash confessionals. That's simplysafe.com slash confessionals. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was horrifying at the time, and this is only the second time that I've actually told this story. So I apologize if there's a bunch of like spaces. In no, between my words, you but. did. You, like I was I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, holy crap! Uh, you know, it, it, I, I want to let people know if they want to hear this story that you just shared uh, with your brother involved, because your mm-hmm. brother, uh, you and your brother. Um, we're recording. What episode was it for your podcast? You, you, your podcast is called 21 CD Podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and your brother told this story on that podcast. What's your po- what, what episode was that for your that podcast? That was episode one. Episode one. Okay. Right. So your very first episode, you come out hot. Yeah. And so uh, if you want to hear this story and your brother telling it as well, because you guys did it back and forth talking mm-hmm. about what you went through together. Right. Uh, they can go check that out. Yeah. Um, so this experience is so layered. And what leaves me sitting here wondering is, and and not, or yeah, wondering, but I also feel like this is probably the situation. Mm-hmm. Whatever that thing was, we can venture into that idea in a minute. I get the sense now that I heard this whole story that it knew who you were and where you were from. <laughs> because it's like your brother, your dad, your mom, all all this stuff at the house, you were unaware the night you went through the experience with your brother and friend. So that's just my reaction mm-hmm. that what are the odds that you guys have this wild experience, go home and find out the next day that everybody's having experiences at home when this thing very well could have been at home, followed time. you out, and then just came back when you went home because it knew exactly who you were and where you were going. It's a creepy thought. We've never felt anything menacing in the house. That's the thing. You don't consider the door being opened like that menacing? Okay, well, yeah, you know, that was pretty creepy. But I guess I'm referring more to like, we've never heard sounds or like besides Benjamin, I've never seen anything there. But... I hear your idea and we have, so all throughout my childhood, we moved around a lot. We're a homeschool family um, living in Missouri. Okay. And my dad sort of had this situation um, that made it so that we had to constantly move. And there was one house that we lived in where and I'm not a huge haunting kind of guy. I, I believe in it, but it's not really my MO. So I don't focus on that and I don't really consume that kind of content. But he would always joke about how he had this hitchhiker guy. And they called him George. And he would like, he did stuff like he he would move cups or he would open the dishwasher or he would... He would open a window or a door and like an interior door, like stuff like that. We would hear him 
walking around upstairs, like stuff like that. And we would always just joke and we mainly lived in old houses while I was younger. And we would always just joke, it's the house. Um, but if it's not the house, it's just George. It's just doing George stuff. And my dad at one point did allude to the idea that he thinks that maybe it follows him around. So that's that's kind of the maybe, but this this thing felt so creature-like. Absolutely. Like it just felt, it's, it felt alive. Like it was a living, if, I mean, it seemed hungry. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know if that's in a demonic way or like a beast way, but it could just- Could be both. Yeah, I guess it could be both, but I don't know. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope. I mean, he I survived it, so who cares at this point, right? I hope it's just a passerby like, <laughs> going on to the next house in Wisconsin, but I don't know, man. I, I, I think about, you know, this being the second time I've told this story and I, I've had time to sort of piece it all together and, and, and sort of shape the memory into something cohesive. And I still get scared, like telling the story. Mm. So that makes me feel like maybe it's not just a thing in the woods. You know, maybe it is something that maybe it's the reason, like, I might feel like I feel like something's watching me or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. And when I look at it through the lens of being realistic, you know, according to regular people's standards. Yeah. And trying to rationalize what it was, all of the rational explanations don't line up. And so all you're left with are irrational explanations, according to regular everyday people. And that's, that's, I'm fine with it being that. So we're living in a time where what you just described is becoming less. Um, we are living in a time where the supernatural realm is spilling over mm-hmm. it's not merging it's not gradually coming it is spilling over and there's gonna be a lot more people um do you know why that's coming, happening coming to i got ideas buddy <laughs> so i got an idea too okay go so ahead. this here's what i think is happening and this kind of goes into that phil- philosophy thing so i'll just give you the the just give me a the drop iceberg. just give me a drop what I think we are experiencing, and I said the, own, the same thing on my own podcast. I said I th- I, I'm predicting that we're going to see a rapid rise in cryptid sightings and, and sightings of the unexplainable. 100%. Things you can't understand. Yeah. And not only is it prophesied that that's going to happen, but it's also, the, it's just the time. And what I think is happening in a scientific sort of way is... This goes into my portal theory, but two dimensions are are bleeding. And so what you're getting is you're getting one dimension. People think about portals. Uh, I'm getting on the portal talk because I, fine. I'm, I'm feeling like the next story should be the portal story. But like the people think about portals as something like a door that mm-hmm. opens and closes. And I think it can. Okay, I do think it is a portal that a a type of portal. There's mm-hmm. more than one type of portal. There's, you know, I heard you on the last episode, a couple episodes 
now talk about how you think books might be portals. Mm -hmm. I think that there are portals that are inherently biological. And what I mean by that is there are literal creatures who you and I can get proficient firearms. We can build a house. We can do a podcast. These are inherent abilities that we have and we can train ourselves to be better at them. We can also just um, eat a wide variety of foods and not get sick. This is a biological thing we can do. I think there are creatures that have yet to be discovered and they may be um, they may or like originate on Earth, unfound species. Um, we're finding new ones all the time. We just found a bird that went extinct like thousands of years ago in New Zealand or something. And we're finding new frogs, new sharks, new lizards, new everything. So I do think that there are sort of like the sky whale phenomenon. There are things that exist in the atmosphere that we haven't found and exist on earth that we haven't found because they have this inherent ability. It's part of their biological code to be able to phase in and out because they are not, this isn't their only place. So that's portal one. I think that portal two is not biological, but is a doorway that is opened. And I think humans can do it right now. And I think that there is a huge push by the global elite to make that happen, the reason is because they are trying to, your buddy Joel's going to hate this, but there are reasons they're working with these mystery Babylon cults. And I believe that they are trying to bring on the end times. Why would Joel hate that? Is he a Mason? Not practicing. Okay. He's is, he is in rebellion. Well, you know, okay. when, I, when I hear him, I, I pray for him. I hope he's no, in rebellion he, he, because he's, when I talk about when I talk about this Mason stuff, I just think about because I know a couple Masons too. Yeah, and practicing. You know, they they show up for their participation trophy, mm-hmm. but like. Joel doesn't show up anytime. That's ever. good. I'm glad. Sorry, Joel. <laughs> Whatever. But I think that is that is portal two, is the you. ones that they open for the purpose of bringing something here. Yeah. I don't think humans can go through. I just, out of all the things that I've read, I don't think we can go to the other side yet. But when I mentioned before, this third type of portal is the bleed. And what it is, is it's literally what... Satan, the forces of evil, is trying to do to put the nail in the coffin on this whole earth experience Mm. and take it over finally. They haven't yet because God's still here. We're still here. Mm -hmm. So they haven't taken it over yet. But if, now obviously this is a huge if, this is some science, we can't prove this, but me with my puny human brain trying to think deeply on this stuff and having had a lot of time in the jungles and whatnot, like thinking about this topic for days on end, I think there's a bleed happening. And then when people talk about uh, the veil being thinner or um, going to various locations in the desert where weird things are happening that aren't happening anywhere else in the world or on mountaintops where there's stargates and stuff like that. I'll tell you what that is. That is the bleed. The veil is thinner there, but the veil is actually the dimensional wall. And what is happening is it's they're colliding, they're bleeding into each other to the point where things can move freely. And this 
if that can happen on a global level, there's not going to be any, people will start believing real quick because there's not going to be any sort of mystery to it. It's not going to be like, oh, I saw this weird portal thing in this abandoned building in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. What the heck was that? No, it's going to be like, yeah, you experienced the bleed. Like it's, it's coming through. So that's a that's the tip of the iceberg on my portal. No, and I, it's fine. It's fine. And what you just said though goes into what I I, and I told Jack this this morning. Like I, he literally stood there as I read this to him. I wrote something down that just kind of came to me this morning, and um it, it, and I it's kind of choppy English because when I'm typing something, I feel like like I'm getting a download. I just go and I'm like I don't care if it's spelled right kind of thing or whatever. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this, but the last part of it is exactly what <laughs> I feel like you're, t- you're talking about. Um, about the global and the people not caring kind of thing. Um, I, wrote, I, and I, I literally just typed this probably about four or five hours ago. Um, they, they, the, <laughs> the they. The all-powerful um, they. They have been adding more and more to the plate of attention for us for years. Our bandwidth is so stretched thin now and they are testing how stretched thin it is. And why, um, this is where I, I type faster than my... All right. um, they, they, and they are testing how stretched thin we are by giving us things like alien invasion scenarios. I'm not personally, this isn't me reading what I wrote down. I'm not saying alien invasion scenarios are being faked totally. I'm just saying that the idea of uh, Operation Bluebeam can be very much implemented right now through the idea of aliens or what have you no one is is nobody is talking about this on a mass level these should be global news events on the level of 9-11 and yet it receives very isolated coverage now they know they can do anything they want and the majority of people outside of those affected won't care because they either don't even know about it or they are desensitized because of overstimulation and that's what I literally wrote down this morning. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, you're spot on. Here, here's the thing. Aliens aren't real, first of all. The, that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> aliens are real, but not in the way that people think they are, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They are real. They're out there. But they're not... They are tools of these fallen ones. They are, they are weapons. And they are here maliciously. And they are here to observe. And they are here to wait their time. And they get bored. And that's when you get the TikTok videos and stuff like mm. that. They, and some of those things are probably biological creatures as well. But you're, these aliens and... I mean, just look at in recent history. I know you don't watch a, a ton of movies on Netflix and stuff. But this portal thing is taken off. Like they you're not the first one to talk about portals anymore. Like I remember when you started talking about portals and I was like, this guy's on to something here. And now they're in it's every, everywhere. It's everywhere. And mm-hmm. here's why they are preparing us for something. That mm-hmm. is what they, that is the purpose of media. At this point, media is more propaganda than entertainment. And we are just so desensitized that we like it. It triggers us. There's little moments that they put in the movies that excite us and trigger our brains happy mechanism or excited mechanism or scared but i like it mechanism but everything else is raw propaganda and a lot of that 
is alluding to believe in aliens. It's okay. No matter what, we're still going to beat them if we fight them. Or believe in aliens. They're just going to be these funny little guys that you can, you know, take on a road trip with you and like it's going to be fine. They're here to help us. They're here to help us. Yeah. Or they are us. No, they're not. They want us to think that they, they want us to be them. That is, that's the point. They're experimenting in those instances on, on people to, complete the genetic uh splicing in my opinion it's it's like the anunnaki when they were creating horrendous beasts i think that these aliens are kind of little worker bees for these sort of unseen elite and with the portal thing because of all these strange sightings that we're seeing all of a sudden and all of the alien stuff and uh the ufo stuff and the increase in cryptid sightings, like that Peru thing was wild. Did you see that Peru thing? Yeah. The face peelers? Like the face peelers? Yeah, they were like peeling faces off according to some of the sources. I didn't hear that part. So these Peruvian guys, uh, they these Peruvian this Peruvian village was being plagued by these face peeling seven foot tall aliens, is what they said. But I missed the face peeler part. <laughs> I don't think they wanted you to hear that part because the government of Peru and the army and then uh, men, the government of the USA, they all came out and they were just like, no, nah, these are miners on jetpacks. I heard that part. Right. These are just gold miners on jetpacks. It does make some sense. Having been to the Amazon a few times, it, it makes a place is rich with gold. It's, it's a literal treasure trove. Like the 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 rumors of cities of gold that you know the conquistadors and stuff heard about mm-hmm. it's probably real except it's more like mineral deposits there might actually be cities but who knows but my point is it's not unheard of to have miners in the woods in the jungle terrorizing villages but on jetpacks and so anyway they all come out and they try to explain explain it away and the Peruvian, the people of the village are like, no, you just heard about this and you came in and you made your assessment and you said what it is and now nobody's worried about it. But this has been happening to us for months and there were instances they reported of faces literally being peeled off of people by these things. Now, where are the bodies? I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know where the bodies are. If, if faces are being peeled off you'd think that person's probably dead, right? Or at least maimed. Like, where are the where are the victims? So, I mean, I didn't read in it too far. But yeah, that's the Peru thing. And uh, how do we get here? I don't know. Uh, I just, talking about, just talking about how, like, this is one more way they're desensitizing us. If they can bring in these horrifying stories. And nobody cares about and it. And nobody cares. Or they care for one day. They mm. get their hype off on TikTok and and then it's over. And I was listening to Joe Rogan yesterday. And I don't know if you heard his one of his most recent interviews. He's talking to some of these guys who were in charge of like sort of I don't I wish I remembered who they were, but they reported on and had a contact with uh Grush. So they they knew the whole story and they kind of facilitated the whole um, release of all that information. They kind of paved the way for him. And they said that uh, all of that stuff is real. 
And they said the only way that they, they asked Joe, what, what would you do? What would convince you? And Joe answered the way that all of us would answer. And he kind of said, I guess I'd have to see it with my own eyes. The body. Yeah, literally. Like, I can't see it on a screen. He's like, I guess what would have to happen is these things would have to just show up in my airspace and just not leave for days at a time and just hover over our city and sort of just prove it to me. That's how desensitized we are. Mm -hmm. This stuff used to be shocking. Mm -hmm. Like back in the first days of alien movies and, and stuff like that, this stuff was crazy. Did you ever see Signs with Mel Gibson? Of course. That movie shook the world. Like Shook it, me. It, it, me too, man. When like, that alien walked walked by the door frame on the TV. Same reaction. And, 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 and what was his name? Meryl or something? Yeah. Like he freaked out. I freaked out. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I was like, like oh. I did too, man. <laughs> and like, that's the way it used to be. Yeah. And like, I couldn't look at it. I know. I couldn't look at it. I, I mean, I, I think it scared I, the crap out of me. Bro. I rewinded it a couple times, like after I'd already seen the movie five times, because I was like, I gotta see it. I gotta see it. And it, it just, that's my point, though. It was so exciting and amazing and just novel. And now all of a sudden, like, yawn. Exactly. That's and, the point, man. Yep. That's I, the point. I, and I'm the same. I, I'm literally in that yawn category. Like, yeah. like, like this, like you're, you're talking about the face peeler stuff. Mm -hmm. You clearly looked at it. I looked at it through the, the scope of uh, so many people talking to me about it. Yeah. You know, like when, when this stuff happens, there's so many times I'm like, well, oh, we'll just, you know, cause I got a lot going on. So I'm just like, uh, well, we'll just wait and see if it has teeth. And I know it has teeth when people keep going at it, going at it, going at it, you know? Yeah. Um, but back, you know in the day and stuff like yeah. that, anything you're like what wait what and it's a it's a conversation for two days yeah you go to lunch and you're on to the next thing yeah but you know i had a point that i was going to make about that that there was a movie that came out recently called nope did you see nope nope was the uh ufo or the biological ufo in the sky Cloud UFO. i did watch that yeah what'd you think of that movie uh, i thought it was um real Okay, yeah, let, I was going to rephrase it and just be like, not the movie, the movie is one thing, but what did you... The biological UFO the in the sky, idea, it's real. Yeah, 100%. It's real. And that was the first time yep. that they put that out. And yep. that's why that movie was shocking. Because when everybody else watched this movie and the reviews came in and the critics had their way with it, the movie itself was kind of mid. Like, that's kind of the consensus. Mm -hmm. But the shocking part was a brand new idea. New, I was just going to say, it was a new idea. But it's yep. not new because it's, it's out there. It's real. <laughs> yeah. It's real. Yeah. What's, cra what's crazy is that um, Justin from Cryptids of the Corn podcast, he's a biologist and he talks about the, the, the reality of what lives in the sky. And he talked about before Nope came out. I, so I heard that before Nope came out, I'm obsessed with his ideas on it. I, I heard him on your podcast first, but I, I heard him talk about that and I was just blown away. I was, it was like my eyes open. He, start, he starts talking about fungus and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, and I was just like, this dude. Bob was the mushroom, the, the, the big giant mushroom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, when I heard that, I was like, this is genius. And then I saw Nope and I was just like, yep. this is real. This is happening right mm -hmm. now. And yeah. I mean, oh yeah, our text thread was kind of crazy. Like we were talking, oh, it, it was like it was like what? It was like they stole that from me. Joel, and Joel, Joel was freaking out, of course. Like Joel, like Joel gets so excited about stuff. He's like, "Oh, it's happening!" Like he just gets like he'll like run around the room, you know. Was he more uh, upset that they took his idea, or was nah. he, did he feel validated? No, there's like, no, there's no taking ideas, man. Yeah. Like like it's all fair game, you know. Like 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 uh, 
nobody's doing anything new under the sun, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, it's like, uh, it is what it is, but no, I, if anybody wants to hear a deep dive into the understanding of the idea of biological UFOs in the sky that live there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you need to check out Cryptids of the Corn podcast. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, so yeah, uh, shout out to them. Plug. And also plug 21CD podcast. <laughs> you know, we're sitting here, Thank we're you. sitting here Thank in you. studio with John from 21CD <laughs> podcast. He just shared it. a story that they shared on their very first episode. If you want to hear him and his brother tell that story in his brother's vantage point, check out 21CD podcast now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, let, let's bring it back because like we can get into the, the um, I don't want to get too far into the uh, NPC theory because that goes into portals. And then you mentioned about how that goes into Armageddon. And I'm just like all about that. And you're like, I don't know if you're going to like this. I'm like, bro, do you even know me? Like, <laughs> so I know I, sh- I, I probably spoke too soon. Yeah, I was like, there were so many times we were prepping to, to start the recording and you said something. I look over Jack. I'm like, does this guy even know where he's at? Like, <laughs> dude, this is the first time I'm able to let the crazy talk out. For Bro, like I like, told you, like I tried to do this on my own podcast and I got literally crucified for it. So like very bad listen, introduction to podcast. Being crazy alone in a room <laughs> is very lonely. Okay. Yeah. You got to be with the crazy when you want to be crazy. I'm so here you are. Welcome home. <laughs> Thank Welcome you. home. Thank you. We've been waiting for you. So, uh, so let, let's kind of bring it back to the uh, the first story you shared here. Yeah. Okay. Got and, away from it a little there. Yeah, we definitely did. Uh, but I want to talk about the eye shine you were talking about. Okay, because especially now that I have all the information behind this story, mm-hmm. do you think it was eye shine or do you think it was illuminating eyes? It's a good question. Um, what makes it a great question is the fact that you would think that you would still see it when he shined the light back. And that's always the part that trips me up because even if it was there, what, what did it have his eyes closed? You know, like, why are we not now seeing eye shine? So it looked like shine. I can say that with the utmost confidence. It looked, have you ever gone like deer spotting or something? Mm-hmm. It, it looks like when you shine your light into the field to look for the deer and their eyes beam back at you. That's yeah. what it looked like. Color was white? Yeah, it was like that weird, that weird marbly white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, not red, but it was, if it was going to be illuminated, it would have been that sort of, what color would you call that? Like fluorescent white, sort of marbled white color. And it had pupils. It never blinked. You could see the pupils. I could see the pupils and it never blinked. So the eyes were just wide open staring they were slightly oval like i say wide open but they they were oval in shape like like a basic eyeball like a human eyeball and uh yeah saw the pupils big big eyes big pupils and never blinked so what are the and remember we're in the house of weird now mm. so what are the odds that this was something that was in your mind, let me put it this way. I don't want to say odds. Um, in your mind, is it possible that this was something that does do the back and forth between realms? It, yeah. No, 100%. There, I think it may have left when we lost contact with so it. So I was going for. So like, I, I definitely think that I, I call those things phasers because they phase in and out. So I think that it I think it was definitely a phaser where it was coming in, saw us, 
and then went out. And that's kind of why I didn't immediately latch on to the thing that might follow the family or something or come from the house and stuff. It could. It could just as easily be both. But I did get the feeling that when it was gone, it was gone, gone. It wasn't coming back. When we were fleeing up the, the hill, we were scared because we were turning our backs on where it was. But it was gone. You know what I mean? We didn't see it anymore. We didn't hear it. It's like it vaporized, it vanished into thin air. So we, I think it could have. So are you, are you suggesting that you personally, maybe in your gut, feel like what you experienced that night is different than what was going on at the house? No, I think it's the same thing. Same thing. So your yeah. brother experienced what you experienced out in the woods only at the house. My little brother, Benjamin? Yeah. yeah he experienced it while he was laying in bed and looking out the window at night. And just walked by because it probably phased in. <laughs> you know, so how is, how is it gone, gone? Like if it, if it, so it, I mean, like when it disappeared, when AJ took his light off. So you mean like in that scenario situation yeah. you found yourself in, it wasn't coming back to the woods where you're standing. It wasn't gone, gone yeah. as in like leaving you alone forever. Kind no. Of gotcha. No, okay. yeah, no. I, I just mean that evening, I think it moved on to greener pastures. Mm -hmm. It went somewhere else. And I've camped in those woods before. I camped with my dog. I have a big German shepherd and she loves to go camping with me. And uh, I took my dog down there and camped before all of this happened. And I've camped all over the world. And those woods in rural Wisconsin, those specific woods, like I've camped Kettle Moraine in Wisconsin, I've everywhere. And the North Woods were, I think I had a UFO experience, but I can't really build on that too much. But they are different. I don't know. I think things can be made into a vessel for the beyond. And Wisconsin is notorious for like Indian burial mounds that have just been uprooted. We have a huge Native American culture there. And is that possible? I think so. I think that something could have been disturbed. And if there's something that needs, you know how like we talk about like the flesh puppet or the flesh suit. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing can be, I think these entities can attach to legends and monsters and things like that. And that becomes their identity. They may be spiritual. We can't see them with our own eyes, but if they attach to something, we can see that. I think it's completely possible that that's kind of a situation. I've always sort of attributed it to the land. It's connected to the land somehow. And that's why I bring up like the Native American lore, because a lot of that stuff is related to the land and how it's been disturbed. Being on the Fox River, pretty big river, pretty abused river too. And you can actually take it anywhere in the world. Where my, where my dad's property is, he can go to the ocean on this river. So like it connects to the whole world. And it's kind of a crazy thought because it's just a little river, but when it opens up into that kind of space, that's a lot of room for something to travel down the river on. That's a lot of space for something. Like the water never forgets too. Like that's, it's, it's permanent. That waterway has been there forever, you know, until who knows how far back. And that thing is like a reservoir for memories and lost time. Everything that has ever happened on that river is still there. Maybe it attached to some Native American 
maybe it was a skinwalker. Maybe it was a Wendigo. You know what I mean? Like, so when I talk about these phasers coming in and out, and in this particular situation, I think this is a situation, something evil attached to something that was already made up and now lives there. That's what I think it is. As I was talking about, when I took my dog camping there, she couldn't stay down there. Like that was another red flag for me, but I didn't have this whole story yet. We, I had to bring her back to the house because she was freaking out in the woods and I'm not a quitter. So I, I went back down there and I camped out there and it was just the most horrifying experience I've ever had camping, like in my parents' woods of all places. So that being said, that's why I don't think it's gone. I think it is somehow connected to the land. If I had to really put something to it, I would say it's something from beyond, some sort of mythical spiritual creature that has attached itself to something rooted in North American Indian lore. That's, that's honestly what I would say. It's really interesting. Um, I think you said a lot of things there that I personally, but other, I'm sure other people have as well, felt inside. Mm-hmm. But the way you articulated it, I don't think I ever have been able to do. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, the, so, so given the foundation that you've laid with this and how you view it, what do you think? So like we talked about the, uh, the eyes dropping down mm-hmm. and the idea of like it begin, being in a runner stance. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that was a necessity in order to, if it wanted to get you, or do you think it could have just blinked and been right in your face? You see what I'm saying? Like, like there's th- certain things that, and, and maybe the, the getting the, the eyes and that whole thing, maybe it wasn't a runner stand, but if it was a runner stand, because all this is, right. you know, all we're doing is theorizing. We don't exactly, know. Exactly, yeah. But it, it, if it was a runner stance, it, it almost suggests that it has a need to act in a physical manner to get, a desired result. Well, this goes back to what we talked about earlier with the, um, the sort of bleed effect from dimension to dimension. I think some of these things are biological in a way as well. And so if this is the same thing that walked in front of my brother's window, mm-hmm. why is it walking in front of a window? Why is it being seen in front of a window at all? So that tells me it does seem to need to walk in some way. It doesn't seem like a you know, like you said, like sort of like a blink into motion. Like I get what you're saying. Like why wouldn't it be like a uh, uh, disappear? Yeah, like, like teleport just yeah, from exactly. one spot to another. Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't it do like something like that? I don't know. That kind of that combined with the the eye shine and the three different positions that we saw that I didn't actually see it going to runner stance, but those three different positions and then also the growl tells me this mm-hmm. thing has a body like this thing is has at least to some extent a measure of flesh to it and i don't know if that's its flesh or if that's the spirit attached to the thing you know what i mean i don't know what it is but i do think that it, it would have to run to get me if i look at look back at it you know, um, what you're talking about, uh, the only thing I can at least pull off the top of my memory is that video that I reference quite often about that guy in Florida who had caught a dog man on mm-hmm. video, his live. Like that thing was 
metaphysical. It was it was translucent, but yet it was running. Mm. But you could see through it. And it was large and it was definitely a canine on its hind legs. And so like, it had these different properties, you know, it was just like in, in one moment, a, a blink of an eye, mm-hmm. this thing is physical, or at least appears to be physical, is doing things that we know physical things in this realm would do, mm-hmm. but yet its body itself was translucent in certain spots. It's very interesting. It is really interesting. And that, that only furthers my opinion that this is a biological entity. Like this is something that has an ability that we as humans cannot grasp. Mm-hmm. It's out of our ability to because we've never experienced it. We can't point to any creature on the planet that can do it. We can't do it. We can't even do it with all of our technology, really. So it's kind of like this could be something that either comes from somewhere else, phases in, phases out, or it's literally from here, but it's a species we haven't found. That's why we haven't found Bigfoot and stuff. You know, like it's this is these are things that have properties to them that are not monkeys in the woods type deals. These aren't wild dogs. These aren't like these creatures that you can shoot. I literally believe you can't kill them because there's no way that we can kill them yet. I think we will get the ability to kill them, but I don't think that we in our current state can kill them. Talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> you can't leave me hanging like that I, yet. I, spiritual, man. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't... Oh, boy, we're going in it. I... No, we're not. Okay. I, I, I don't, I don't want to get into it yet. I, I don't want to... I don't... Because I, I could see how it's going to just go back and forth all over the place, you know? Let me, let me finish it then. Okay, let me, go let ahead. Let me close it out. I think that there will come a point where the weaponry will be provided. And it's coming very soon. It's coming very soon. But we as humans, and unfortunately we as Christians, forget that there is a real war going on. Like they, with casualties, like things are dying. And so where is it? It's here, but not. It's in this phase world. It's what David Grush was talking about in a sense. When he was talking about these NHIs, he said they're here, but they're not. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he's... The, the reason he was so weird might be because he was horrified. Not because he didn't necessarily know what he could or couldn't say. Or he just doesn't totally understand because he has the, doesn't have the proper lenses to look at it. It's very possible too. But us podcasters, we have the proper lenses. Oh yeah, experts are. <laughs> 100%. You know, just saying, David, you might want to call me sometime, buddy. Have a seat at the confessionals table and we can really help educate you on uh, what you're experiencing with this whole whistleblower nonsense. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Newsflash, you can't kill him. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I can try. So, <laughs> listen, if I'm out in the woods, mm. And I got a dog man peering down at me. I'm going to at least try. You have to try. <laughs> <laughs> the goal is head or neck. That's my, that's my philosophy right now. And also just don't sleep with your butt in the air. <laughs> <laughs> if you got those three things going, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> just going to let that one roll. Uh, anyways. Um, but uh, 
Yeah. So the, the, the running stance, let me take it back to a, a normal conversation. Right, right, right. Normal. Yeah. Uh, the running stance, I, what I find interesting about your experience is that you didn't see this mm. thing. You no. saw the eyes, which is part of the thing. But a couple of the characteristics you described, the running stance, the deep growl, the way it operated, Man, it, it and we were talking about this earlier, but it reminds me of Wes's experience. Mm -hmm. Wes got a chance to actually see these things. Mm -hmm. Scary. Yeah. But you're describing very similar things as to what he experienced and what other people have shared. Um, and what everybody says, including yourself, in one way or another, is when they experience these creatures or things, entities, whatever they are, it's not natural. Right. It's not natural. When I talked to a lady on the show, I forget what it show or what episode it was, it was like 299. I called it the spider crawl. I didn't know what else to call it. Like she's talking about seeing a creature on on Mount Hood. Mm -hmm. She's going out there to pick mushrooms and she sees it punching down on all these down trees. Because it's just all these down trees and mushrooms growing on it. And she thought of somebody in a hoodie. And she's like, dang. And then the thing stood up and looked at her. And she said it was huge. But what happened that was so unnatural was it got down on all four, torso facing up to the sky, keeping its head facing her and walked backwards up the hill. That's not natural. Nope. That's not <laughs> natural. Yeah. And no, that's uh, crazy. And I met her in Washington. We were shooting the documentary and stuff. We have, we, she's going to be in the documentary telling that story. Um, we tried getting to the location and luck has it twice now. I was in the desert of Utah and I was in Washington state and we got snow. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and we, we, we were driving an RV that we were renting and we, it got so bad. I, I was like, we can't keep going to the scene. So we had to find it. We had to come back down to more, less elevation yeah. and find a spot that was similar that she could kind of go out and explain, you know? Um, she saw two of them? Mm -mm, one. Just one of them. Actually, um, so on that episode, she didn't say she saw two. Okay. When we're talking, she saw one there, but she had another experience oh, gotcha. where she wasn't sure what she saw, but it was very large. She, so it's funny because she does not want to say Bigfoot. Yeah. She doesn't want to say what it is. Mm. So she's like, this is what I experienced. And you're like, you're taking me to the water, but you're just not drinking it, you know? Right. right. Uh, but she saw something cross, uh, I think it was railroad tracks, and it was carrying, I think, a tree underneath its arm. And, and she's like... The same creature? Uh -uh. A different creature. Different day. Different, different scenario. Okay. She, she, the, the outdoorsy person yeah. and her, I think she said it was her and her boyfriend were, were walking the tracks. And this thing just went... Hey, man, Washington is a crazy place. Crazy. Yeah, it's wild crazy. out there. Crazy. I lived out there for a little while. It's I had no idea. Like, I've, I, I mean, I, I've been in the woods considerably throughout my life. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and and people when I when I say that, I think people are like Philadelphia. No, listen. First of all, I never lived in Philly. I lived just outside the city, and I was raised in no man's land, Pennsylvania. Okay, Dude, I just, the Northeast is crazy. I, I moved towards the city when I was in college. Yeah, <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the woods, and. When I went to Washington, those woods are different. They're ancient. Like they're, <laughs> those yeah. things are 
on another level. I mean, it's it's a rainforest. It's it's crazy out there. The shot, what you just said, the shots will depict that. Yeah. It is beautiful. Oh yeah, but you feel like you're in another country. Oh, it's another, haunting. It's like another you, planet. It's like you're in the upside down. Absolutely. That's the way. Yeah, that's just like that's vines the, coming the, down. The, just like, the moss <laughs> hanging off yeah. the trees. You're just like. You, like that, the soundtrack of, of the Stranger Things had like dun dun dun. You know that's, like, that's where the vampires are, right? Uh, no, talk to me though, because uh, this well, is interesting. No, I know it's not that. It's that. Well, it's it's a Twilight joke. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you you just lost, moving on. You just lost fifty listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. Um. But yeah, so yeah, anyways, Washington, it is bonkers. And uh, vampires are real though, bro. Oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, no, I, just no, want, I don't know I just, if they're in Washington. But. I'm, I'm sure they are. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Why wouldn't they be? I've heard they're in Vegas, right? Isn't, or LA? It's 29 Palms, Joshua Tree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah <laughs> of course. Why not, right? <laughs> right? Just take a little hitchhike up north and, and you're definitely good. on military bases too. 100%. Because military They're probably bases. locked in cages on military bases. And I, I didn't, I never saw any. I wish I would have. But, what base were you on? So, you recently did another episode. Tell me Fort Campbell. No. Oh. I was on Fort Huachuca, Hawaii. Okay. Um, is that the one that Nick's oh, on? Oh, I'm sorry. Fort Huachuca's in Arizona. That's where I started. And then I went to um, Schofield Barracks in Hawaii. And yes, that's where you're... I don't know if he was on... I kept listening and tried to hear where he... What base he said he was on, but we were on the same island. Mm, okay. And his stuff is completely validated. Hawaii is a beast. Mm. There's... I mean, it's ancient. First of all, it's it's a country. It's a foreign country. It's a foreign land. And uh, though I didn't experience anything weird and I explored that island to its fullest, I know that the locals have a lot of the legends he was saying are true. Like yeah. you can feel the magic, but magical places, man, magical places. Like I I, the, I'm in the hunt for magical places. I, I w w you walk into an area and you just know this place is magical. Do you want to see some elves? I can tell you where to see some elves. Yeah. Is do I have to go over the Atlantic? Yes. You have to go to Iceland. All right, tell me about it. I'm not going though. <laughs> do, you, do you want this to be the next thing? Yeah, this, yeah. Actually, you know what? Uh, let's let's talk about the elves, and then we'll wind it down. Uh, because this is a I, quick story. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So the elves of Iceland. So my brother and I, some other friends, we not friends, never talked to them again. But we we all went to Iceland um, on a whim. We just got on an airplane and went, and we were there in September near the end of September. So rainy season was starting and um, I say rainy, but it, it's winter and uh, we're winding down. It's getting to the end of the trip and we had experienced all sorts of magical stuff. Iceland is bizarre. It's just, it's the craziest place I've ever been on the planet. It, it's just insane. That's saying something for you. It's, I mean, I can't, it leaves me speechless just thinking about it. I have, hundreds of photos that I took while I was there and they are just you can't put it in it looks fake it, it looks like it's just volcanic mountains and massive glaciers and crystal clear glacier pools and um, rivers that are like bizarre the biggest uh, waterfall in Europe is in Iceland it's uh, it's massive like you can't even it, it's bigger than Niagara Falls I think it's like far as height goes or something like that 
but it's the biggest waterfall in Europe. Um, and they have legends in every crook and cranny, Norse legends in Iceland. And I don't know how you feel about lowercase g gods, but there's a couple of them in Iceland. I read Psalm 82, so. Okay, well, there's, <laughs> there's a couple of them out there. And um, anyway, that's the backdrop. So we're, we're getting ready to fly out. We're flying out the next day. We're going to do one more camping trip because all we do is camp. We don't stay in hotels. And so we, we were camping on this, this place. Um, it's called Thingvalir is, is how you would say it. it's written in Norse. So it doesn't look like that, but it, it translates to that if we were to speak it in English. And this place is basically the birthplace of democracy for Iceland. So it is their hollowed ground for everything that they know Iceland to be. And it has been used for hundreds of years um, as their place of judgment. So they would pass judgments here. They would solve conflicts here in civilized manners. So when the Danes came over to bring Christianity to this pagan Norse Iceland, they um, did so extremely violently. And if you were not going to convert to Christianity, they were just going to kill you. And um, so there's this place in Thingvalir. It's really insane that they used Thingvalir as the place for this. But this is where they would massacre Icelanders who weren't going to convert. And so there have been burnings here. There have been um, beheadings. Uh, sometimes they would throw them off of the cliffs because there's... There's a river, and then there's a big, giant cliff. And you could throw people into the river they figured out. Um, and now it is a tourist trap, unfortunately. So when we went there, you know, we had this understanding that we were on this hollowed ground, but the half a million other people who were just reading the signs and looking at the cliff and the waterfall and all that, they, they weren't experiencing that in the same way that AJ and I were because we're very we were there for a reason these people were just seeing the sights so we knew that these were killing grounds and the most iconic part of Thingvalir is their drowning pools and it's this part of the river that opens up uh, so it's like a river and then it mellows out slightly at the base of this cliff and there's these pools that are just black water the like because they're it's a volcanic riverbed so it's uh it's just black and it's icy cold and what the danes would do and what anybody would do who is passing this kind of judgment there is they would tie or chain a victim's neck to one end of um a rope and they would drag them across the pools, the drowning pools. And the purpose of this was to drown them in the middle. They, so they would have the ropes on each end with people pulling on the ropes and the person would just be dangling, drowning in the middle with their hands and legs you know, bound. And they would drown there and then they would get pulled out the other side dead. And this happened to a number of people there. And... Do you remember just a minute ago we were talking about magical places? Mm -hmm. This place was one such place and it transcended beyond. Um, I think that real people, i.e. not NPCs, have this ability to sense a place. But 
it is largely neutered out of them, basically. And they respond in strange ways when they're in these locations. Um, I went to Arizona State for sociology, so I have this way of looking at and thinking about people. And as a whole, I think that people can feel magical places and not know what to do with that. So these people's purpose was to throw money in these pools. And I'm telling you, hundreds of thousands of dollars in this pool. Uh, and you can see it all along the riverbanks, coins, all sorts of, of um, gold and silver coins. And it, it was to the point where you could get rich. If you, if you went there and you tried to clean that pool out, you'd probably, you'd probably come out feeling pretty good. The reason I'm saying this is because a lot of Icelandic um, legends and lore kind of revolves around treasure. Mm-hmm. I find it ironic that this is also the place that we may or may not have seen elves in this magical location with this river full of golden coins. So anyway, fast forward. We make a mental note. We're going to come back to these drowning pools at night when nobody's here. We're camping in the park. So we're the only ones camping in the park because only Americans would be crazy enough to be out here camping in winter in Iceland at Thingvalir. So we're out here. Um, we, me and my brother, because the other guys were pansies. So like we, we get up in the middle of the night and we tell them, you know, we're, we're going to go. Uh, we'll be back. Like, I don't know when. It's about a two mile walk. We set out. It's completely dark. We don't have flashlights or anything. My brother and I, we never bring flashlights when we camp. It's, <laughs> it's just a thing that we don't do. And if we have it, it stay, it's kind of in our pack as a last ditch sort of thing. It's kind of one of those connect to the earth ideas but um i actually have a tattoo on the top of my head that's an icelandic stave for seeing in the dark like like so we're very connected to the natural way of things and uh we go there and we're walking along the road nothing's happening it's the middle of the night it's freezing cold the the stars are are kind of out but it's 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 not like you can point up at the stars and be like, oh, look how beautiful the stars are. You can see the light. There's moonlight. And we get to this location that we hadn't previously noticed during the day. And it's this grove of pine trees. And this is very rare in Iceland because the Vikings had cut down all of the trees when they first went to Iceland for their boats and their settlements. And they had no idea about deforestation. So unbeknownst to themselves, they crippled the entire country and chopped down all of the trees. So when you come across a grove of trees, it's weird. It stands it, out. It's a rare sight. And we walk in through these, tri- this, these trees because there's kind of like a trail that weaves through it, um, like an unofficial trail. And it's very clear that these are old woods. Like this is just, these are the type of trees that look back at you when you walk through them. And mm. it gets so dark that we can't, you know, as they say, you can't see your hand in front of your face. It was like that. Like it was just pitch black in these trees. And um, so we, le- we we just go to the tree line and we walk along the tree line. We're trying to get to the drowning pools. We're not trying to get killed in these woods. So we get to, we sort of approach the trail that's going to walk us on the side of the river opposite the cliff. So you know, we're walking on this side, the river is between us and the cliffs, and we're on our way to the drowning pools. 
we're getting closer and closer. And as the cliff starts to come around like a, a bend, sort of, there's like rock structures on top of the cliff, like volcanic rock structures and just pillars that they call elf towers in Iceland. And they are essentially built by the elves and they signify that elves live here. And they're natural. They're not built, they're natural. And the idea is that they kind of bubble its lava that long ago bubbled out of the earth through like holes in the ground, I guess. And they make these sort of little pillars. Okay, so there's those and there's just piles of rocks and stuff. It's a scraggly crift, cliff top. We're probably talking, I don't know, 60, 60 feet tall. And we're looking, we can look up to the, the top of the cliff. So we're getting close to these drowning pools and we're just kind of like scanning the the cliff top. And when we get to the pools, we're sort of looking in, we're seeing the moonlight glisten off all the coins on the bottom and the water is pitch black and it's just the coldest water you can ever feel and absolutely pure. You could drink that water and there's movement. Like I sense a flicker of movement up on top of the cliff. And it's like something that jumped from one elf tower, one rock outcropping to the next. A trick of the eye. I don't know. And so I'm just now paying attention though. So I'm looking, like I'm awake now. And I'm looking and I see another one. And then I see two or three of them. And at this time I'm slapping my brother and I'm like, dude, do you see that? And like, am I like just losing it here? And, and you know, like your eyes can play tricks on you if you look at things directly in the dark. So you have to use your peripheral. And scientifically, that's because in science fancy terms, you are actually able to see better in the dark with your peripheral. And so we're kind of like scanning like this to try to like see what we're seeing up here. 5, 10, 15 of these things jumping in between the ro- they look like apes and like so we were frozen solid down here and up above us these things have the high ground and they obviously see us and every now and then they stop like independently because they're all their own little creature but they stop and they'll like peek out from behind a pillar they'll peek out from behind the rock outcropping and then all of a sudden they'll just dart to the next one this happened for three to five minutes and we actually left before it stopped because it was getting to the point where they were very aware of our presence and obviously we were all too aware of their presence so we were like this is not this is not on my bingo card for the night so i'm i'm heading out and we as slowly and quietly as we could just literally baby walked out of there and by the when we kind of got further down next to the trees we sprinted the rest of the two miles we sprinted back to camp but that's my elf experience (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if they were elves but i mean (laughs) jack get plane tickets to iceland I'll go we're with going. you. I've been I've been meaning to go back. I wasn't planning on going to Iceland today, but uh, we're gonna have to go. <laughs> You'll see stuff, dude. There there's stuff in Iceland to see. Wow. It's, it's a hidden treasure trove of um, uh, 
unexplainable experiences and sightings. It, it happens all of the time. Like th- these people believe in them. So like they'll even reroute roads that go through elf land. Like they I've heard of that. Yeah, they'll yeah. do that. They'll um we found a cabin. Um I talked about this a little bit on my podcast, so I feel bad just regurgitating stuff, but I uh we found this little cabin that was filled with school t- uh children's like art projects um in um respect of the trolls in the area that they and like off in the distance there were these two giant rock outcroppings that they believe were trolls that were petrified because trolls get petrified in the daylight and they had obviously legends and lore right like there's no way to prove any of this but what if and you know we so we the 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 validation to believe in this stuff is everywhere in iceland and that's what makes it so wonderful because that is one part of opening portals you have to believe you have to believe in portals if you do not believe in portals you will never see one until it's forced upon you which is when the whole globe becomes one yes if you this is this is a huge problem and that's why everybody thinks people who talk about portals are crazy is because you cannot look if we can move mountains through faith obviously that is a hint that's a hint. That's him saying, you can move mountains. Okay, I'm pretty sure then that I can see portals too. With faith. with, And obviously it works both ways. Malicious people, evil people see portals too. Yeah. They have a different type of faith. But what goes around comes around. And, you know, there we go. There's my elf. Well, my elf stuff. John, sir. <laughs> You are a treasure trove, Thank and you. I highly encourage you to check out your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. 21 CD podcast. John has uh, recently started the show. Very fresh. And you are, uh, listen, man, you're a gem, and you will uh, do great things with podcasting Thank as you. long as you keep talking portals <laughs> to I'm, us. I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> no, you're doing great, man. So I, I do appreciate you uh, sharing all this stuff. It, it, what a fantastic conversation this was. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to do more here uh, for an overtime. Uh, we're going to get into the abandoned portal building uh, and we'll get into, oh, we're going to get into your theories and thoughts and stuff. <laughs> and we're just going to see where the, the conversation takes us. But uh Right now, Tony needs to pick up Benny from school or else right Benny's going to be crying because daddy forgot him. And so... Can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to take a little breather and uh, we're going to come back here in a little bit and record some more. But John, uh, before we get out of here, let people know where they can find you. We mentioned this show several times, 21 CD Podcast. That's the number 21 CD Podcast. Pretty easy to remember. Pretty easy. Uh, but where can they find you on social media and all that stuff? So... Tony told me that I've kind of been doing this all wrong. But so right now we're only on YouTube, Spotify, TikTok, and Instagram. If you want to be one of my 100 followers, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Um, All of my YouTube videos are obviously video format. And I just upload the same thing to Spotify for people who Mm -hmm. don't like to watch videos. But if you guys want to check me out, it's 21CD, 21CD. Um, studios and I'm on YouTube, Spotify, Instagram, and TikTok. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You guys can follow him on that social media and all and obviously the YouTube. Uh I would suggest checking him out on YouTube, Spotify for sure. 
and your video work is pretty good too. So Thank you. you know, like you know what you're doing, uh, and we're just I learning try. here. So you know, <laughs> if you have if you have any advice for us, it'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, uh, um, I I think hopefully mm-hmm. it may not may not be the case, but hopefully by the time people hear this, which will be less than a week from the time we're recording. Um, hopefully you'll be on other platforms. We'll talk about it afterwards and stuff, okay. but I'd like to see you get on other platforms, specifically Apple Podcasts. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Um, but I got to talk to you about the logistics of what you got going on right now so mm-hmm. I can better, better understand. But I think by the time we're done talking, you might be already on other platforms. So um, That'd be awesome. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about it. But okay. for right now, those places, you said it was YouTube, Spotify, TikTok, and Instagram, right? So obviously TikTok and Instagram are the reels, the little short clips and Mm -hmm. cool things like that. If you want the show itself in the full, in the fullness, you want to hit up YouTube or Spotify at this point. But uh, if, if you're listening to this and you are like, well, I hate Google and I don't like doing anything other than Apple podcasts, check there because he might be there now. And if not, please check back again in a week because I almost guarantee you by then oh, absolutely. he'll be on there. Just give me a follow somewhere and you'll see a notification that I'm everywhere else when I when I drop the news. Yes, yes. Do that. Yes. That's actually a great I, idea. I mean, I, I don't even run my own accounts. My my wife does my accounts. Wise. So like, Wise. So I, I'll probably just tell her like, hey, like Tony said to do this and she'll get it done for me. So cool. I will release a, at a minimum, I'll just let you guys know if you follow any of those accounts when I'm on all the other ones you know and love. So. Yes. And what's the, what, what can people expect from the show as far as what's your goals with the show? I know, so we were talking about podcasting before we went live. Mm-hmm. And um, when you start a podcast, you have an idea of what you want out of that show. Yeah. And that usually changes and evolves uh, as you learn and by trial and error. Right. So, because you're in the beginning stages, what are your goals for your podcast? So I have a very specific goal. Um, and well, it's specific and it's broad at the same time. But I, 21 CD stands for 21st century dystopian. So as such, I try to show the world, my viewers, how we are already in this dystopian nightmare of our wildest dreams. So as such, I discuss relevant modern topics that can include things like news. I just talked about some just relevant news topics the other day on the podcast. But then I also go into this metaphysical realm, which is a very real part of our dystopian reality. Mm -hmm. And as such, I will also discuss cryptid sightings, um, which, as we said before, are going to increase portals, the sort of science and sociological factors of the portal theory and all of that kind of stuff. So it's kind of of broad and, and focused at the same time. Awesome. Well, I think that there's a large part of our audience that what you just said is like, oh, yep, 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 yep. Did somebody <laughs> just say dystopia and portals in the same sentence? Think I'm there. You know? So uh, that's really cool, man. I'm, I'm really glad you made the trip out here. And uh, everybody that's listening, I really appreciate you tuning into this awesome episode. If you're a member, just head on over to the app or on the website because there's an overtime waiting for you. We're definitely going to be recording that and getting it out to you. So if you're a member, go ahead and check out that. If you're not a member, we really do appreciate you tuning in and listening to this episode. Uh, Remember, today is the day that On Demand is available for The Shape of Shadows, our film. All you got to do is go to Merkel.media, no.com, just .media, and there you can stream The Shape of Shadows On Demand. So uh, go check that out. If you haven't checked out The Shape of Shadows yet, it is the best film we put out. 
and it's we've only ever put out two so far. So, <laughs> but but we have shot a third documentary next month. We're shooting a fourth documentary. We have already shot our first movie. It is in actually. I have the rough cut of our first movie in my inbox. I got to watch sometime this week. And we're planning uh, our whole next year of shooting and documentaries and all that stuff. Merkel Media is on the rise. We're really trying to do cool stuff. My heart is fully invested in it. And uh, when that happens, good things happen. So uh, friends, go ahead and check out The Ship of Shadows and watch the progress of Merkel Media and how we grow. Uh, And until next Tuesday, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first, it'll piss you off. Bye. Coming up on today's Overtime. There was no way to explain how every one of our devices had been hit by some kind of, something depleted them all. And we've been on trips before where one of us might leave a camera on and it's dead after 30 minutes of leaving it on or whatever. But for all of our stuff to get hit like that, the only thing that changed was the floor that we were on. So when I looked back and I was like, well, what was weird about those floors? I was reminded of that mist that was sort of over this, over the entrance onto this, this floor, this with the chair. And this is one of the things that I wanted to say before I started. I'm not trying to push that this is a portal. But the, the things that follow are going to be bizarre. And the only thing that I can trace it all back to when did this weird stuff start was when we walked out through, through that, that dusty mist onto this level. According to them, trapped in encryption, just trying to ascend. Blending with bots, it's hard to pretend. Swimming against the current of trends. Sea of algorithms contaminate my system. Blended by the prism of tears. Divided by a schism, indoctrinate suspicion. Building our own prison to fear. We made it year after year until what's real wasn't clear. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if what I